Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, and I would like to follow what we considered this morning. This morning we considered the fact that the life of Jesus Christ, the life of the Apostle Paul, the example that we're given in Scripture, and the commandments that we're given are that God is to be first in our lives, others are to be second, we're to be last, which we entitled in a simple message, I am third. We want to follow on that and apply it a little more to our lives, and hopefully we can go from this place proving and showing that love that shows that God is in us and we in Him, that we know Him, that we have eternal life abiding in us, and that we are born again by the way that we love the brethren. I want to speak to you tonight about compassion. Compassion. Compassion is to have with or together with others their passions. Com is a prefix meaning together with, and passion are feelings, and to have feelings with others. Sometimes it's feelings of joy, sometimes it's feelings of sadness, and we want to learn how to empathize, one of our words in our generation, or sympathize one of our words, not found in the Bible, with others. Because God is glorious at it. And Jesus Christ was the best. I want you to love your Savior a little bit tonight, too. I want to tell you a few stories about Jesus Christ and how much he had compassion on those that he met. And we want to be just like him. Hebrews 13, 3 says this, and it says it well. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. That's what I want to teach right there. That tells you, remember those that are in bonds. Some of these Hebrews had been put in prison and Paul is saying, remember them in prison. How should we remember them, Paul? As if you were bound with them. That is true sympathy. That is true empathy. As bound with them. Remember them that are suffering adversities. Paul, how? As being in the same body with them. When part of your body is suffering adversity, does the rest of your body take care of it by taking it easy? When you have a really bad headache, where are you often to be found? What position? Horizontal? Now, why are you horizontal? Your legs aren't hurting. The whole body is tied together by a singular vitality. And because one part is hurting, the rest takes up for it and slows the whole body down while you wait for that other part to catch up because there is sympathetic understanding in the rest of your body for the part that's hurting as being in the same body. We want to be like that. We want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ that way. You know, the Lord is full of compassions. It doesn't say compassions. It doesn't say compassion. It says compassions, plural. The Lord is full of them. You can read it in Scripture. When we use the word empathy, when we use the word empathy, when we empathize with someone, that's the ability, this this is the dictionary definition, that is the ability to project your personality into the object of contemplation so as to fully comprehend it. To empathize with someone is to project yourself into what you are considering so as to fully comprehend what they're experiencing. I like that word. They didn't have it in 1611. 
because the Lord Jesus Christ empathizes better than any. Right. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities right. because he was tempted in all points like as we are. To sympathize with someone is to have that quality of being affected by the condition of another with feelings similar to theirs and corresponding to theirs. It's the capacity of entering into or sharing the feelings of another. It's fellow feeling. It's also the feeling or the frame of mind that's evoked by the external influence on other people. It's to share in their feelings, to have sympathy toward someone else. We want a church full of sympathetic, empathetic, compassionate saints. Some of us came from a place where there wasn't a whole lot of compassion, empathy, or sympathy taught. But that doesn't matter. All we want to do is be taught by the Lord tonight. Amen. Sympathy and compassion is what the Bible describes as what Pharaoh's daughter felt. Every woman in here is going to know. The rest of us are going to struggle. Pharaoh's daughter went down to the river in Egypt and found a little basket. And when she opened that basket, there was a beautiful baby in that basket. And she had compassion upon him. Does every mother in here understand that? Ever look in the crib? Ever nurse a baby? I know those feelings too. I've never, no, I, I don't mean the nursing part. I, I don't know why I needed to correct myself, but I have looked in on little children and appreciated mine. But I know that I don't have exactly the same compassion that a mother's heart has. I know that a mother's sympathetic nervous system is so powerful that even though she's not particular, she, she can hear another crying baby and if she's lactating, there's a response in her body. That's pretty powerful. All the women know what I'm talking about. The rest of you can look it up when you get home. Go to Google. Lactation. It's wonderful. God made it. It's a sympathetic nervous system. Isn't that precious? A woman is so affected by a crying baby, her body reacts. The Bible wants us to know this about compassion. I'm, de I'm defining the word for you right now. Pharaoh's daughter felt it when she saw Moses in that bull basket of bulrushes in Isaiah 49 and verse 15 can a woman forget her sucking child the Lord knows how to get to us doesn't he can a woman forget her sucking child can a woman forget her nursing children that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb the answer is a rhetorical no mothers love their nursing children and they do not forget the sons of their womb the Lord says, yea, he doesn't answer it, no. He answers it, yea, they may forget, but I will never forget. Amen. I want to tell you about a father that you have tonight that is more than any mother you've had. And some of us have been loved by mothers that were excessive. I mean that in a good way. Their love was extreme. I mean that in a good way. But the Lord says, I love you more. Right. A mother, can a mother forget her sucking child? The Lord says, yes, she can, in comparison to me. If the Lord put the best women in this congregation in a straight, in a siege, straight enough, strict enough, mothers in here would eat their children. 
by the judgment of God, and yet he would never forget his children. Right. It's the bowels of compassion. Right. It is feelings. It truly is. Look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, back to those two chapters that you read last evening in preparation for today. Compassion is the word that we want to remember because it's the Bible word. Compassion. Having passion with others. Listen to it. Suffering together with another. Compassion is suffering together with another person. Participation in their suffering. Fellow feeling. Sympathy. The feeling or emotion when a person is moved by the suffering or distress of another and by the desire to relieve it. Pity that, include, that inclines one to spare or to help another. That's compassion. Compassion, hear it again, suffering together with another. Participation in the suffering. Fellow feeling, sympathy. The feeling or emotion when a person is moved by the suffering or distress of another and the desire to relieve it. That's compassion. You are affected by what is happening to another and you want to help them out. Compassion. Here's what it says in 1 John 3.17. After showing that the Lord sent His Son and laid down His life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's the last part of verse 16. But verse 17 says, But whoso hath this world's good, you've got something good that you can do for someone else or give them, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How can the love of God dwell in a person when you've got something good that you can do or give to someone else, and they have a need for that thing that you can do or give to them, and you don't do it, but you close up the bowels of compassion? Those are feelings. We all know what it means when, when your stomach turns. Those are bowels. In the center part of your body, when you are affected strongly enough by someone else, you get sick right there, right in the middle. Bowels of compassion. Bowels of being affected by wanting to help that person out. Wanting to celebrate with that person. Wanting to deliver that person if they're in trouble. Compassion. We want to be characterized by compassion in this church. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 as we continue to define it. What does it mean to have compassion? Pharaoh's daughter had it when her bowels were moved for Moses, that little baby boy. Mothers are moved for their nursing children. Mothers, when you're nursing a baby, do you feel pretty close to it? Well, every woman in here knows. And so we just saw in 1 John 3.17 that we can have that toward brothers. Brothers can have it toward other brothers. Where our bowels are affected, you say, I haven't felt very much of that recently. Then we need to get those bowels sensitized. And we've got to do it with the Word of God by the power of His Spirit. I can't do it by myself, but we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to do it. And we're going to look in His Word and see that it's what you ought to have to where you're, just, you're consumed and you feel and you want to help and relieve another person when they could use your help. Hebrews 5.2, remember this is a description of priests taken from among men, as verse 1 tells us. And priests are always taken from among men for this reason. Verse 2, who can have compassion on the ignorant, and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Does that help define the word for you? We want a compassionate priest. We have to have a priest like us. We can't have one with the nature of an angel. How would he know how to relate to us? Right. We want a priest that's a man so that he can appreciate our ignorance, our faults, and our mistakes because 
He's made them himself. Because when you've made them yourself, you should be able to sympathize and empathize with another person because you've done the same thing. So that you don't approach them in a haughty way, correcting them. You approach them with the humility and meekness of Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if any, of one, if any of you be overtaken to fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, because... We are compassed with the same infirmity. Okay, we're defining it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, compassion. Not everyone has compassion. Some people, you wonder if they have any bowels. Well, bowels of compassion, bowels of feelings. Because they're going to be moved, and they're going to be doing things in a zealous and fervent way of serving others. And we want to have that. The Holy Spirit in us is going to bear it, is going to bear bowels of compassion under the fruit called love. Because love is to have that kind of compassion. 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, be ye all of one mind. The Lord speaks to you tonight. Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. What does it mean to be pitiful? Full of or characterized by pity. Compassionate. (laughs) I love words when they get mixed up like that and just all come together in one big warm thought that we should all be able to get our hands on right now. Merciful, tender. That's what it means to be pitiful. Full of or characterized by pity. You're feeling sorry for someone else who has adversity, and so you feel compassionate toward them. Your bowels are with them. You're having fellow feeling with them, and you want to relieve them of what is wrong in their life. You want to be merciful to them. Look at the verse. Let's all be of one mind about this matter. Let's have compassion one of another. Each one in here should be compassionate toward every other one in here. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. All that's jammed into 1 Peter 3.8. That's the Lord wanting to teach us to be like the Lord Jesus Christ in having feelings for one another. It's being tender-hearted in Ephesians chapter 4 where we're to put down all of our malice and our bitterness and to be tender-hearted toward one another, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Are you that compassionate for others that when they've made a mistake... You're able to forgive them for it. When they come and ask you for forgiveness, you can quickly and freely give it and tell them, just quit. That's history. Let's go forward. Are you full of compassion? It'll be remembered, brethren, in heaven someday. The Lord is going to line up all men, either on his right hand or on his left hand. And those on his right, he's going to say, when I was hungry, you fed me. You had, you had food that you could give to someone that was hungry. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. And when I was in prison, you came to me. And the righteous are going to say, Lord, we never did that to you. Or when did we do that to you? And he's going to say, when you did it to the least, a one of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Right. He'll remember it. Compassion is remembered because he is the God of all compassion. He is full of compassion. When we show it, we are showing ourselves to be the sons of God. I am third, but I'm third 
with bowels. God's always had it to his people. I'm not going to take you through the Psalms. Do you think I can find a few places that say that God is full of compassion? I'll trust that you know that already about your Heavenly Father. But let's get closer to home. Let's get to the man, Christ Jesus. Every, look at, turn, to, turn to Matthew chapter 9. Everywhere Jesus turned, what was brought before him? The sick were brought to him. The demon possessed, the devil, the devil possessed were brought to him. I'm still working on that one. What, a, what foolish habits. There isn't such a thing as a demon in the Bible. Everywhere he went, the sick were brought to him, those afflicted with devils, crowds without a shepherd, no truth, confusion, grieving over their sins, no, not knowing that the price was going to be paid for them. And he would look on all those multitudes, and what does the Bible tell us over and over? He would have compassion on them. His bowels would be moved for them. Matthew nine thirty six. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. That's 9.36. Look at 14.14 in the same book of Matthew. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. I am sent as His ambassador in heaven. He is wanting to remind you tonight of what He was like when He was on earth. And He is asking you to be citizens in His kingdom like He was when He was king here on earth. Can we do it? Do we want to do it? He was compassionate. Look at 14.14. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Look at 15.32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. You know, Jesus was not only interested in saving us from our sins legally. Do you understand the text I just read? These people have been listening to him preach, and he was concerned they had something to eat, and he said, I will not send them away empty. What do you disciples have? Because we're going to give it to them. You know, that pitiful little lunch is brought to him, and he says, tell them to sit down, because his compassion means he's going to relieve their hunger. Did he? Were they all filled? (laughs) Did they all eat? Were they all filled? Did they take up 12 baskets full? Is the Lord compassionate? Amen. You know, what if he had just given them one fish fillet? I would just have got my appetite going with one fish fillet. The Lord doesn't think that way. He poured it on. And when we show hospitality, and there's a brother not here tonight who's chief among us, he pours it on, doesn't he? Do you all know who I'm talking about? How about 20? Matthew chapter 20 and verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. 
Are you there? Are you there with me? What do you want me to do for you? Lord, that we might be able to see. And he touched them and healed them. He had compassion. You know that our Savior was moved for those men. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I don't know how in English you can say it any better. Do you ever talk about being touched? They were really touched by that card. We use that word ourselves. Mm -hmm. He was touched. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now I want to surprise you. Turn to Isaiah 53. I want to show you just how compassionate he is. Isaiah 53 is exclusively a chapter on the legal salvation that we have with the death of Jesus on the cross. Right? Isaiah 53, that's Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. I want to read verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Does that sound like compassion? With the definition of the word and what we've looked at? How about sympathy? Fellow feeling. Being afflicted with the same feeling. He hath borne our griefs. If you're bearing someone's grief, what are you doing? Grieving. He has carried our sorrows. What was his name? Man of sorrows. What a name for the Son of God who came. You say, that's got to be the griefs of our sins and the sorrows of our transgressions. That's what you would think. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. That's what you might think. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8 and see how that verse is fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Oh, I want to tell you about a Savior. My Savior is more compassionate than any woman that you will ever meet. But my Savior rides a white stallion. My Savior is moved with compassion when he sees you troubled. But he has a sharp two-edged sword proceeding out of his mouth. My Savior is touched with the feeling of all your infirmities but his vestures are dipped in blood. My Savior knows when you're hurting, and he cares. And he says, cast your cares on me. But my Savior has called the word of God, and the armies in heaven follow him. And he is the blessed and only potentate, and he loves us with compassion. He's coming to burn up the world. That's the most glorious man the world has ever seen. There isn't anything to be compared to him. But can we be a little bit like him? Let's show compassion. Look at Matthew 8 when Jesus fulfills Isaiah 53. Verse 14. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. 
There is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 in the healing of Peter's mother-in-law and the delivery of these people from being possessed by devils. Jesus is an all-sufficient Savior. He's a complete Savior. He has delivered us from the wrath to come, final salvation. He has regenerated us by the power of His spoken voice, vital salvation. He has paid for the price of our sins, legal salvation. But brethren, He also cares about our griefs, our sorrows, and our sicknesses. And He wants to deliver us. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am co- no man has forsaken things for me that shall not experience a hundredfold more in this world and everlasting life in the world to come. That's what Jesus Christ said to his disciples that followed him. He is touched. When he stood outside the grave of Lazarus. Right. What's the shortest verse in the Bible, children? Jesus wept. Does that sound compassionate? But turn to Luke 7 for my favorite example in the Bible. The New Testament of our Lord. There's many. You have your favorite. I'll have mine. Maybe I'll change while I go through a few more. Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, the blessed and only potentate, the Word of God, Him who is called faithful and true, whose eyes are as a flame of fire, on His white horse approaches the city of Nain. I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that city comes a procession where a widow woman is burying her only son. A widow means she's already lost her husband. She only had one son and he's dead. And he's laying there on that stretcher taking him out to his grave. And the Lord Jesus Christ sees this situation And the Bible tells us he was moved with compassion. And he rode his mighty stallion up to her. And he touched her and he said, Weep not. Don't cry. And he turned that horse around. He wasn't on a horse. He was on foot. But he turned around and he went over that funeral byre. Young man, get up. And the young man got up and he took him and delivered him to his mother and said, here's your son back. Is that compassion? Amen. That's the Savior that we worship. That's the Savior that is the King of Kings. I'm giving you biographical sketches of the Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who loves every one of us and who gave himself for us. And he he had compassion. He has compassion on us. We are to have compassion on one another. Right. That is in Luke 7. It begins at verse 11 and it runs down through verse 15. And he delivered him to his mother. I love the widow of the city of Nain and what the Lord did for her. Look at Mark 1. Mark chapter 1. Anybody in here ever have anything as bad as leprosy? Flu doesn't count. It only lasts one day. Maybe three. Ever had leprosy? Horrible disease. Your flesh consumes away. It rots. It stinks. And you've got to be cast off and held in quarantine away from the rest of your family and people. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, 
put forth his hand and touched him. When was the last time someone touched this man? It had been a long time. He had leprosy. And saith unto him, I will. Oh, what precious words. What precious words. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Have you ever prayed that? If you will, Lord, you can do this for me. Do you know what heaven, all that heaven has to hear? I will. Amen. Be thou clean. I will. Be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and told him not to tell anyone who had done it, but he blazed the matter abroad, so that every man, everyone came to Jesus to be healed. As the chapter goes on to explain, he had compassion on him. How about upon a father? In Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 17, a man comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, help me. My son is devil-possessed. I can't do anything for him. Sometimes he throws himself in the fire. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't help him. Lord, will you help me? Mark chapter 9, verse 20, And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, Straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a man with a horrible son throwing himself into the fire, trying to drown himself in waters. The disciples couldn't help him. He said, Lord, will you help me? Will you have compassion on me? Jesus healed him. Powerfully. My favorite words. And come no more into him. And come no more into him. I want a permanent change in this young man for this father. That's the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know we could keep going? The Lord is precious indeed. Amen. We're to be like this. We're to be moved with compassion and want to help and serve one another. Right. I see compassion when the Lord is standing in the temple. It doesn't say the word compassion. We're, we're supposed to see it. If he tells us 20 times, the 21st time, do you see it? Whether it's there or not in word? He stands and sees a widow woman casting in two mites into the treasury. And all these rich Pharisees are coming in, dumping bags into the treasury. She, you know, she furtively comes in there and casts her two little mites in and disappears. But Jesus sees her. Do you know why? Because his bowels were moved. Right. He had compassion. His compassion here was one of sympathetic understanding. She had just taken all that she had to give to the Lord. While they were casting in of their abundance, she gave all that she had. Don't ever think the Lord doesn't see. Right. Do you know that's in the Bible? I hope that woman lived long enough to read the gospel accounts that Jesus had seen her. But if she didn't, do you believe that he has compassion enough 
to know that though it may not be written about you, he sees. Right. Do we see one another? Joseph wanted some compassion. Joseph was in prison. He told that butler, you're going to get your job back. Will you have compassion on me when you're up there? Remember how I treated you when we were here, when you were here, that I told you about this in advance. Will you say a word to the king for me? He forgot about him. He was there for two more years. Solomon wanted to be a compassionate king. He said, Lord, give me largeness of heart. The Lord opened his heart up like nothing before. Huge. Huge, full of wisdom and understanding. He could feel. You know how well he could feel? He could feel a woman's bowels for her child and would know that when two women are standing before him competing for one baby, he knew how he could get to the bottom of that one quickly. The whole nation feared that that man had such a large heart. That's what it's called in the Bible, largeness of heart. It includes understanding and wisdom, but it also includes the compassion to be a great king. Poor Jeremiah was thrown down in a dungeon, but there was one man that saw that had compassion. Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian eunuch. And he went, he goes and he puts together some old rags and clothes and stuff and lets them down in there and pulls Jeremiah up out of that pit because there was one man that had compassion upon the prophet of God. Who is the good Samaritan? But a man who had compassion upon his neighbor. Right. He was on a business trip. He needed to get somewhere on time. He was going to suffer financially if he wasted time dragging this wounded Jew along. They were stinking Jews anyway. Why would I want to help a Jew? If it was a Samaritan there, I'd help him. Everyone following me? He gave up the time, he gave up the money. He crossed the social boundaries to help the wounded Jew. We call him the Good Samaritan. All it was fulfilling was, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It says that the Samaritan had compassion on him. How can you see a man in the ditch wounded and left by thieves and not have compassion on him, no matter what color he is? The Apostle Paul mentions a man named Onesiphorus. In his final epistle to Timothy, And he describes in three verses all the personal affection and attention and detail that that man gave to the Apostle Paul. And he told Timothy to make sure that that household was greeted because there were compassionate people in the Bible. How can we be compassionate? Three simple points. I hope you want to be. Jesus was and we should be. We want to be third with bowels. We want to be third with feelings. The first thing we got to do is remember, if you don't ever stop and take the time to think about the other brothers and sisters in the church and remember them, you haven't even taken the first step. The first step is remember them that are in bonds. Hebrews 13.3, remember. Do you know what really happens as soon as we go out of here? Eight, 18 million things come in competing for your time, attention, and thoughts, and before you know it, it's Saturday night and you're preparing for another Sunday, aren't you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The first thing you got to do is remember that you have brothers and sisters and to think upon them. Remember and think about others and the wonderful opportunity that we have to serve them like Jesus served. We go through our day thinking, I am third. I am third. And that will help us look for number two. 
If we're always third, then everyone else is number two. So we'll be thinking, where's the number two that I can help? Because the Lord's number one. So we've so we got to have a mindset for it. Is that biblical? Amen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want my language to be pure scripture and only scripture. And yes, he wants us to have a mindset. Let this mind be in you, one of service, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself of no reputation and became a servant. So let's go through life saying, I am third, where's number two? And you know what? Number two is changing all the time. Sometimes it's the wife. Sometimes it's the husband, children, parents, neighbor, colleague at work, brother in the church. First of all, we got to remember and we got to think. We got to consider. We got to reel through the church members. Could you right now, if I gave you a piece of paper that had all the names of the other members in here, could you quickly come up with an honor that they have had for which you could rejoice with them or an adversity that they are suffering in which you could weep with them? We should be thinking at all times. We've got people hurt in here physically. We've got people facing big business decisions. We've got all sorts of things happening. And, it's, and they're always going to happen. But the first thing we have to do is stop and remember and think about one another and consider. Remember how Hebrews says we get together to consider one another, to provoke unto love and to good works? How do you provoke a person to love better than loving them? By reading them the riot act about love? You can provoke them to love by loving them. This is the grace of self-denial. Because our flesh wants to think about one person. Looking out for number one. So the first thing we do is we remember. It's very, it's so simple. You're wondering, is this what we get tonight? You just do it. I'll give you something simple and let's see if you can do it. Let's see if I can do it. First thing is just remember. You know, you've got 57 brothers or sisters in here that are members, let alone their families and everyone else that is in that is related to you in your life that are the others that make up number two. Think about them. Remember them. The first step is, and the Bible tells us, remember and think and have the right mind. Lord, give me someone today to serve as the third. Let me make them number two. Let me make esteem them higher than myself. Let me think upon their things more than my own things and in addition to my own things. You should never be thinking about what others can do for you. That's not what we're to be remembering or thinking. What you should take from this sermon is what you can do for others. So first of all is to just think about it. Remember, stop this rat race. Do you know what I'm talking about when I look, when I do? Stop the rat race for a minute. Will you give me just a few minutes? This is talking to yourself. Stop everything. Who in the church could use something right now? Because you know what? It's next Sunday before we know it. And you'll go out of here, and I know that some of you have already told me you're convicted about this morning, and you want to do it, and you want to do it well. We've prayed for that tonight. By Monday afternoon, you'll have 18 million things going. So you've got to stop and think. That was the first, there's three steps. And the Bible tells us, remember them that are in bonds. Remember those that are suffering adversity as being in the body with them. The first thing we've got to do is just remember that we have some brothers and sisters. Do you know we really forget? We really do? Thank you all for just looking at me like I'm the only one that forgets. I don't forget as much as you do. I'm going to take that tack for a little while. My children said it was effective. 
we forget. We are chasing down everything for ourselves. There's a million things that we want to get accomplished in a day, but the Lord wants us to be servants. Second, once we have remembered that we have a, an opportunity, once we've remembered that there are other people than ourselves in the church, in the neighborhood, in our family, in our business, the second thing we've got to do is sympathize with them. We've got to get into their pain. We've got to get into their joy. We've got to get into their honor or their excitement about something. We've got to get into their bodily suffering that, because that's the sympathy. That's the true compassion. The first one's just thinking about it. The second one is being compassionate and having our bowels affected by actually getting in there. What if that were me? What if I couldn't stand up, sit up, or lay down? That's Gail. What if I had before me a business that was the desire of my heart, and I'm 55 years old and I can't believe it, I feel like I'm a little boy in a toy store and someone's just handed me a big wad of cash? You know, that's, you know who that is, don't you? Can we get into that excitement? I mean, if you, if you spend five minutes around him, you'll have all sorts of adjectives to describe his desire and excitement about this possibility. All through the church we can go. Right. So the second one is to get into it with him. The business you had wasn't exactly what you had dreamed about all your life. It didn't involve your hobby. Did it? An inch of white grease every day on those big cookie sheets was an ugly thing to look at, think about, and clean off. A brother in here has a job, a business possibility far greater than that. Can we celebrate with him? He doesn't have it yet, but he's celebrating already just thinking about it. Talk to him for five minutes. Be more accurate. He's excited about it. And the reason I'm going into that one is if we look through the whole church, there's things like that with every single person. And do you know that their thoughts, their dreams, their hopes, their plans, their griefs, their pains, their suffering are as either good or as bad as yours are. But do you know how we really get into sympathizing? They're better or worse than yours are. Because we esteem others better than ourselves and we have fellow feeling with them, and we're afflicted by their feelings, and we want to do something to relieve it if it's bad, and we want to do something to celebrate if it's good. I mean, I want to go out to eat tomorrow night somewhere with Matthew and Gloria if they can get that check cashed. <laughs> you guys, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that I meant them pay for it. <laughs> but I like the additional thought. That's, I hadn't even got that far. I'm glad that you're with me and ahead of me. Tomorrow, that's a big event in their life. Right. Do you know what? It'd be very easy for us all to forget it. That house was a burden to them for a number of... How many months have you lived in your new house? Seven. I don't like making one payment a month for seven months, let alone two. Everyone agree with that? Amen. He's had two. This is This is wonderful. The second thing we do is to sympathetically analyze their situation. Jesus saw that widow woman, so he knew it all. And he knows everything about you. But we've got to do a little bit of work. He looked at the widow woman. She's already lost her husband. That's her only son. Do you know the Bible tells us all this? That's her only son. There isn't another one at home. There isn't another one walking beside her, holding her arm. She was all alone now. Jesus had compassion on her. 
So what we're doing is we're getting into their situation. This, these are the characteristics of their situation. She's a widow. This is her only son. He's dead. The poor woman. The poor woman. Don't you want to run to her rescue? You can come and live with us. We've got to do that with everyone else. We either do that externally by looking around and thinking, or we do it in our conversations with people. When we're in our conversations with people, we have got to ask them about them. We've got to ask, ask, and let them talk and tell. And we need to probe. We don't just ask to get, a que- to, to get one little thing and then, well, you know, my experience has been, and then spend the next five minutes telling your experience for their answer. That isn't communication. That's being obnoxious. Listen. Listen. Get into their life. That's what sympathy is. That's what compassion is. With feelings, with their passion, get into them. Ask. Ask again. Whenever you're in a conversation, make sure all the questions are only in one direction. You're asking them. When they ask you a question, just brush that off. That's not very important. Now, if we all do that, we're not going to be able to find anything about anybody. But I don't think everybody will do that all the time. But direct questions to the other person. Find out about them. It's the easiest way to hold a conversation. Do you know why? Because people love to talk about themselves. Ask questions about them and get them to talk and learn. And then you can have compassion upon them by sympathizing with their situation. And then you can decide, then you get to step three. What am I going to do about it? Right. Step one is, we can't be so busy that we don't think that we have brothers and sisters. We can't be so preoccupied with our things that we don't remember. So the first step is remember. The second step is sympathize. Get into their feelings and their situations. That is listening more than talking. You're not communicating when you're talking. You're just making a lot of noise. Communication is a two-way street. You ask and you extract. You ask again to extract some more because some are reluctant. But you've got to show that you're sincerely interested in them and they'll tell. Communication is more listening than it is talking. It's more comforting than it is correcting. You want to just encourage people and comfort them rather than correct them all the time. And it's more probing than it is suggesting what they can do. You know, if we just hear something and then say, well, this is what you ought to do about that, uh, you're singing songs to those that be of a heavy heart, and the Bible says, why don't you wait for winter and go take everyone's coat off? Because you're doing something cruel to people. Right. You know what? Most, many people just want some sympathetic understanding that they're in pain, some sympathetic understanding that they're lonely. Some sympathetic understanding, that, which is compassion. I'm, I'm trying to use different words so that you'll grasp it. Some people just want some compassion of some attention and affection, and they'll be fine. Because that little bit of attention and affection that you show them will enliven their spirit. And if you can say a good and kind word, the Bible says, how good is it? Right. And it's not a question mark, brethren. I'm sorry, that's the way the Bible ordered those words, but it's an exclamation point. A word spoken at a good time, a word spoken in due season, how good is it? It's beautiful. It's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken at the right time can encourage a person's heart, even though you don't have the answers for them. You're just there, I'm sorry for what you're feeling. I feel it with you. It must be horrible. I commend you for the way that you're handling it. I, 
I'm sorry about it. If there's anything I can do, I want to help. Just you knowing that they're hurting will enliven people. Compassionate. You know, we all wish we were like the Lord and that we could heal and that we could go over to a funeral buyer and say, young man, get off that thing. Your mother needs you. We wish we could do that. Do you know how we can do it? I'm going to pray for you. This situation in your life, the Lord knows about it and the Lord cares. And I'm going to pray for you about this thing. Third, what are we going to do about it? We've remembered that we have some brethren. We've sympathized by getting into their feelings and and analyzing what they must be going through and taking it upon ourselves to feel that way with them. And those who have that M blessing will be able to do this more easily than others. I'll call it a blessing tonight. And it, it, it is of no value until it's directed by the Holy Spirit of God. Men are not born with spiritual strengths. Men are born with a capacity for different kinds of spiritual blessings and gifts. And those with a melancholy temperament can sympathize more easily than others if they direct it by the Spirit of God. Otherwise, it's incredibly selfish, and all it does is sit around and feel the most immense feelings all about itself. It can generate more pity than any generating power plant in this world. Uh, for itself right. and that, and everybody else who doesn't measure up to feeling sorry for it they get upset that is not a spirit directed temperament I do not believe that anyone's born with a spirit directed temperament or spiritual strengths right. we're all born depraved and that's how the melancholy acts until the Lord gets a hold of it and then a person can be compassionate because they've got a capacity in that thing that we call temperament that God gave them. A great capacity. Now, I don't care how narrow and tight and restricted yours are. You might feel it's like a stone. With the Holy Spirit of God, it can be a living, pumping, fleshy heart. Because the Bible says he is able to take away the stony heart and he's able to put in a fleshy heart. And so we ask the Lord to do that for us. Because by nature, I'll tell you, every single one of us, I don't care what our strengths and weaknesses are, we're hateful and hating one another. Right. And I'll tell you this, by the grace of the Spirit of God, we can all be loving and loving one another. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about it? A few words are sometimes all that's needed. We remember, we get into their situation. That'd be horrible if I had that. That would just be horrible. I want to do something for them. What are you going to do? Are you willing to spend? Are you willing to be spent? Are you willing to spend and be spent? Do you know what spent means? It means there ain't no more. Are you willing to spend and be spent even though while you're doing it, you're loved less for it? That was Paul. Remember this morning, 2 Corinthians 12, 15? That's Paul. That's our Lord Jesus. Did he spend? Did he heal all those people that came to him? Did he cast out all those devils? Did he always preach the truth? Did he comfort and have compassion on all those that came to him? If anyone came to him crying for the forgiveness of sins, did he send them away? Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy sins are forgiven. Totally free. Did he comfort everyone that way? Right. What did they do to him? Crucified. They hung him on a cross and killed him. <coughs> are you willing to follow the Savior? I represent the King of Kings tonight. I'm asking you, are you willing to look like him? He wants his kingdom in this world to be filled with citizens that look like him. They spend, they are spent, even if they are loved less in the process. 
you can send a card, you can make a call, you can send an email, you can show hospitality, you can help a person with a job, you can help them with a date, you can help them with a car, you can give them counsel, and you can do a million other things to help someone in this church. Right. You know what the real problem is? We don't even get to point one sometimes. We forget who's in the church. Number two, we don't get in to how serious it is to them. We blow it off as because it's not happening to you, but it is happening to them. And so we've got to get into it to feel the pain that they're feeling so that we want to relieve, relieve it. And third, then we should do something about it. I really don't believe the problem's in number three. I believe the problem is in number one and two because I think if we remembered somebody and we actually got into their feelings of suffering, we'd go do something. Right. Our temptation and our problem is being too busy to get to that point. I am third. Will you be third with me? Amen. The Lord wants us to be third. We can consciously allow the Holy Spirit to give us bowels toward one another. Right. Let's remember that we are third and others are second. Let's sympathize and have compassion on their feelings. Let's have the passions and the feelings with them. And then let's do something about it. This week, even if it's just one, even if it's just one little thing, Make sure you do one little thing for some other brother by following this procedure of being like the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering, sympathizing, and doing. May the Lord bless us by his grace to be a loving and compassionate church.